We hope you enjoy this message recorded at Equipus Church in Eden. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. What we're going to do is um, we're going to transport ourselves in time and space. That we are no longer in this building. We are now in the Middle East. We are now on the banks of the Jordan River, standing with the Israelites. And just to make sure that we've got the picture, we've got the sound of the Jordan River. There we go. Can you feel it? Okay, there's a whole bunch of people around you. This is your nation. These are your people. You've been wandering around in the desert. 40 years and now the word has got out that now is the time to go into the promised land. Every promise, every story that you've heard is now. I can give you my mic. Okay. Every, um, every promise that you've heard, the one that was given to your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, is now in front of you, the land flowing with milk and honey. This is what you were sustained with 400 years in Egypt. This is the thing that has been on your mind and on the lips of every single person over the last 40 years of when are we going to the promised land and now now's the time. You're standing in front of the Jordan River. This is Joshua chapter three, verses one onwards. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow them. Follow it. Then you will know which way to go. Since you have never been this way before, but keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits uh, between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do an amazing thing among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the ark of the government and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today, I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel. So they may so may so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the ark of the covenant when you reach the edge of the Jordan waters go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, "Come here and listen to the word of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Gigazites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Awesome. Well done. Why don't we give him a hand to you, Pastor? Can you see it? Can you feel it? Can you imagine what it would have been like on the banks of the Jordan River? It's all before us. But the Jordan River is in flood. I want to declare over this church that this is a new time. It's a new era. 
It's not a new season, it's a new era. A new season is predictable. You know what winter, spring, summer, autumn is all about. This is somewhere, and the Bible says it, it's a place that you have never been before. You have never been here before. This is completely brand new. You've got no point of reference for what is about to happen. There is nothing that you can compare it to because you have never been here before. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, you've never been here before. All right, take your seats. A new era is when something happens in somebody's life that changes their life forever. I would say that the introduction of the automobile was probably something that ushered in a new era. It was, a, it was something that was injected into our culture that actually stopped us from living the way that we had been living. Can you imagine if we hadn't had the automobile invented? You guys would have still rocked up here on horseback. We would have had to have some sort of stable situation. The ushers would have had to have been out there feeding the horses. But no, something happened that changed our lives forever. I would suggest that the internet changed our lives forever. We don't do life the same way that we used to do it. Now we shop from our homes, from our offices, from the car, with our little phones. My whole life is on my phone. If I ever lost my phone, I wouldn't know what I was doing with my life. All my contacts, everything, my diary. I've got my shopping on, I've got my food shopping on my phone. What else have I got on my phone? Maps. I've got my sat nav on my, on my phone. Everything. This thing has changed our lives forever. I mean, the, the stuff that our kids are dealing with today because of the advent of the internet is unrecognisable to most of us in this place. And we're still playing catch up on how to parent in this new era of the internet. See, a new era is something that changes the way you live. It actually forces you to um, behave differently. Sometimes, well, I would say most of the time there is a new language. I mean, we're using LOL and, you know, BFF and, and all of these kind of, you know, things in our communication. Our communication has completely changed. And the way that we communicate with one another. If I'm angry with you, all I have to do is send a really mad text. And then put like a little emoji with a mad face. I don't have to look you in the eye at all. I don't have to deal with your response. Now, this is a new day. Whether you like it or not, whether you're ready for it or not, a new day is upon us in the church. But what do you do when you've never been somewhere before? You see, when I go somewhere new and I, has anybody been to a brand new place, a brand new city, a brand new country that you've never been before? What we tend to do is we tend to look on TripAdvisor. B 
because we want to know where the good places to stay are, you know, the ones that are not cockroach infested. And we want to know where the good food is and we want to know how you get through the, the um, transportation system, where are the good places to visit, where are the places to avoid. We, we want to know this stuff. The best way to go to a new place is to actually find a local. That's the best place because then you get off the beaten track and you get away from the tourists and you get to find out the real flavour of the place. That's the best way. But in this new day, in this new era, we're all tourists. We've got no one to ask. There's no TripAdvisor for this place. Because we have never been this way before. We are stood on the banks of a flooded Jordan River facing the very promises of God that have been passed down through the, the, the generations. And, and we are, with all of our brothers and sisters, with all of our tribes, with all of our families, with all of our children, and we don't know what to do. I mean, can you imagine the scene where all the men the men of the tribes are looking around going, what's, John, what's Joshua playing at? This is not the time. This is crazy. How on earth are we expected to go across a flooded Jordan? We're not equipped for this. We've got no boats. We've got, we've got nothing. If he thinks that I'm going to take my kids over there, he's crazy. Can you imagine what it was like for them where the children are playing around their feet, waiting for instructions, sensing the atmosphere, sensing the tension. And then maybe if a teenage boy goes up to his dad and says, Hey, Dad. Where's the cloud that we've been following? 40 years we've been following a cloud by day. Where is it now? The father turns to his son and says, I don't know. Dad, did you see the fire? Did you see the pillar of fire last night? No, I didn't, son. What is this? What are we going to do? See, I know what church looks like in the wilderness. I know what life looks like in the wilderness. We've been doing it enough. I know what praise and worship looks like in the wilderness. I know what our program looks like in the wilderness. You see, every day I've been getting out of my tent and I've been looking to my right and I see that my, the same family in this next tent as I've seen for the last 40 years. And I've seen the, the other family on the other side of my tent, the one in front of me and the one behind me. I know this place. You see, I know what I have to do in this, in this place. I know that I pick up manna from the ground every morning to feed my family. I also know that God has done amazing things in this place. He has shown Himself strong. He has shown Himself mighty. He has shown Himself faithful. Even when we were thirsty and we needed something to drink, all we had to do was go to the man of God. 
All we had to do was complain loud enough. And the man of God would just strike a rock and water would flood out of the rock. I mean, God has done incredible things. He has blown our minds. And once, when we were really needing meat and we really wanted meat because we were so sick of this biscuit stuff on the ground, to the point where we were actually ready to go back to Egypt. God caused a whole flock of quail to come over our campsite and fall dead on the ground. I mean, talk about delivery. We didn't have to find it. We didn't have to kill it. It was just landed like three feet high of these dead birds. It was amazing. This God of ours is spectacular. He is stunning. We have seen Him do great things in this place. But I don't know what it looks like. The cloud's gone. The pillar of fire is gone. The man is gone. What do we do now? And this is what the Word of God says. Joshua 3, verse 2, After three days, three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. And then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. This is what the Lord says. What do you do in a new era when you have never been this way, when we're all Taurus? He said, just look for the presence of God. Sounds a bit simple. Sounds a little bit uh, light on detail. But that's all we have to do is look for the presence of God. He says, when you see it move, then you need to follow it. This is interesting to me because the Ark of the Covenant was this box and the priests would carry it. And you've got a vast array of people. You see, they were terrified of the presence of God, that it would stay outside in a tent of meeting where they would see Moses go in, Joshua would go in and they would stand at the doors of their tents watching. But now, the presence of God was represented in the Ark of the Covenant. And now the Word is, you look for the, word of, for the presence of God. You look. It's not about the man of God anymore. It's not about what he's saying. He's not gonna get up there and he's gonna not, he's not gonna say, we're gonna go to the right, we're gonna go to the left. I've spoken to God. This is the way we're going to go. No, now you look. And this is what I want to encourage everybody here is are you positioned to look for the presence of God? Because you have to be in a particular position to be able to see His presence for yourself. Not secondhand information like, oh, where are we going? Where are we going? Oh, right. It's not a Chinese whisper situation where it's going to go down the ranks. Everybody has to look for where the presence of God is. This is a new 
says, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. So it's not, a, it's not just looking for the presence, but it's also positioning yourself to hear the word of the Lord your God. Again, not through somebody else's experience, but through your own. Can you see Him? Have you positioned yourself to hear Him? Because that's what's required in this new day. A repositioning of yourself. And this is what the Bible says. It says here, consecrate yourself. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among us. Things that are unexplainable, things that are impossible, things that are so wondrous that people will be able won't be able to explain it away. It will have no logic. It will be have it will have no way of of trying to work out how it was done because only God could do it. These are the types of things that we want to see in our midst. And it says, "But consecrate yourself." Now, what does consecrate mean? It's not a word that we use in common, you know, language. Our children don't get up and say, Mum, can I have breakfast? And you say, well, consecrate yourself first. Mum, can I have a snack from the fridge? Consecrate yourself. Mum, go to bed. Have you consecrated yourself? It's not a word that we normally use in everyday language, but I'm going to tell you what it means. It means to anoint. Anoint, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It means to bless. It means to sanctify. Sanctify is to separate for a noble purpose. To separate oneself from common use for noble use. It means to devote. It's single focus. This day causes a people to come into single focus. It's like a presence of God. I need to be positioned so I can see Him. I need to be close enough so I can hear Him. And I need to bring my whole life into single focus. I love it because these words I would normally say, that, that God does them. He anoints, He sanctifies, He's, you know, He, he fills. But uh, isn't it interesting that the Bible says, consecrate yourself? This is something that we choose to do. This is something that we come into agreement with what God is doing and we bring our lives into single focus. Can I encourage you to ask yourself the question, where am I? Can I see Him? Can I hear Him? And has is my life so pulled in different directions that I haven't got that single focus right now? I'll tell you a big part of consecrating ourselves and coming into this single focus is that we need to leave some stuff behind. 40 years, it's a long time. 
40 years of doing the same thing day in, day out, knowing how God works, knowing how we work, knowing how this thing runs. We've had some good times. We've had some crazy times. We've had some hard times, but we've had some amazing times. Seeing God come and do fireworks and spectacular things and blowing us away, changing us from slaves to sons. We've had an incredible time. But if we're going to embrace this new era, if we're going to embrace the promised land, then we're going to have to leave some stuff behind. We're going to leave some. You see, I know who I am in the wilderness. I don't, I don't necessarily know who I am in the promised land. Is it going to require something different for me? You see, I know your personality in the wilderness. You might have this kind of like personality that likes to stay behind the scenes. Maybe, you know, you like to, you know, hang, blend. Maybe you like to kind of like not rock the boat. You don't like to look too different. You like to see what else other people are doing and then you'll follow suit. Maybe you're the type of person that, that you know, is involved in one area in the life of the church, or maybe you've been hanging back from any engagement because that's not for you. Maybe that's who you are in the wilderness. But can I say, that's probably not who you are in the promised land. Can I really encourage you in this new era, have a very loose understanding of who you are? Don't have a very concrete understanding of who you are because you might be surprised what God is asking you to do. What He's putting in front of you, the opportunities that He's putting in front of you. You might be pretty surprised at the dreams that He starts to stir in your heart, the passion that He starts to stir in your heart. And everything in you is like, that's not me. Ah, well, you is a very fluid concept right now. Let's just, let's just say, God, you know, I'm going to take your lead on this because I'm going to be looking for where you're going. I'm going to be listening to what you're saying. Maybe you've got to leave some routines, some coping mechanisms behind. Maybe you've got to leave some people behind. You know that uh, this is an unfortunate name. There's just no getting around it. They were camped in Shittim. You know, I could have just tried to gloss over it, but let's just put it out there. It's unfortunate and move on. Okay. So before they went to the Jordan River, they were in this place and it's called the place of acacia trees, which is a lot more romantic. Okay. So something really unfortunate happened in this place when they were camped there. You see, they, they had the Midianites with them. So God's people and the Midianites were kind of hanging around together. And something really terrible happened where the Midianite women seduced some of the Hebrew men to help them worship their God, which was called Baal de Peor. Now, Baal de Peor was a fertility God. So I don't know. I, I'm just thinking... 
What do you think a fertility God needs in order to worship Him? They require women and men. That's what they seduced the Hebrew men to do in order to worship this God, Baal de Peor. And a plague broke out in the camp and tens of thousands of people were dying. As it turns out, this is what always happens is that the people of God cried out to Moses, make it stop, make it stop. Talk to God, make it stop, make it stop. And this is what God says to Moses. He said, what you need to do is that you need to go through the camp and you need to kill not the men who were seduced by the Midianite women. You need to kill the leaders of the men who were seduced by the Midianite women. Any leaders in the... Give me a wave. <laughs> Woo! Leadership, not for me. I'm thinking that's not fair. I'd be like, hey, I didn't do it. What can... Well, the leaders. So they did. They went out throughout the camp and they killed all the leaders and the plague stopped. But this is what I wanted to bring out. We're going to take it from Numbers 25 in the Message Translation. This is what God said to Moses. He said, from here on, from here on, make the Midianites your enemies. Fight them tooth and nail. They turned out to be your enemies when they seduced you in the business of Peor. Now, if you look at that, then you would understand that before this, the Midianites were not their enemies. Before this, the Midianites were their friends. You may remember that Moses' father-in-law was a priest of Midian. So these Midianites were their mates and they were hanging out and they were kind of going through the wilderness and they were, they were being mates. But because they seduced the people away, because they took their heart from the living God to worship the Baal of Peor, He says, now they are your enemy. And He said, not just your enemy. He says, I want you to fight them tooth and nail. I need you to be ruthless with this relationship because they are not for you. They are against you. They took you to their agenda. They brought you and they seduced you to what they what they worship. So anything that takes you away from worship. Anything that takes your heart away from the things of God, the presence of God the Word of God, anything that makes you deaf to what God is saying, anything that makes your vision dull so you can't see Him, you can't hear Him, whatever that is, it is now your enemy. And the Holy Spirit is really clear in the Word because He says, fight it tooth and nail. You see, these people were good people. They had they were mates. But now a choice had to be made. Which God will you follow? Are you at the banks of the Jordan 
Or are you back in the camp? Because maybe you've got some sort of nostalgia of the good old days. Maybe you've got some sort of uh, feeling of loyalty, a feeling of that you owe these people. I don't know. I know the Holy Spirit is translating this into your context because it may be a relationship. It may be a group of people. It may be a habit. It may be a job. I don't know what it could be, but it's anything that distracts you, anything that asks for your money, anything that asks for your heart, because the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Anything that takes you away from this place. Can I tell you that in the kingdom of heaven, that the church is God's people, that the church has been given promises, that the church has been given territory, that we have territory in the promised land, that there are people in the promised land that are ours. But it takes every single person here. Where are you? Are you here? Your pastors need you here. Don't, don't, don't subscribe to the thought that you're not important. You're important here. We need you here. You weren't born for the wilderness. The wilderness was for a season. Your design, your makeup is for possession. It's to fight. It's to possess. It's to lay hold of the things that God has for us. This is not it. If you thought this was it, it's so much better than this. So much more. You see, in the wilderness, God came to us. And He gave us water. He gave us food. He gave us everything we needed. He supernaturally sustained us in the wilderness. Our shoes didn't wear out. But in the promised land, no manna. No rocks with like water coming out. You know, in the promised land, we're going to have to get a shovel and dig our own will. We're going to have to get our weapons and we're going to have to fight armies that don't seem to understand how God gave us to us. We're going to have to face cities, walled cities that are going to fight us for the land. But that's what we were created for. We were created to fight and we were created to possess. This is a fight of faith that we are in. But we need everybody engaged. I just felt in my spirit as I was um, in worship, pastors, can I just share with you what I sensed? And and it's up to you to wait. But I feel like a, a gear shift is happening. I sense a gear shift in my spirit. I sense that... This place is a cathedral. Now, what? let me explain what a cathedral is in, in, in uh, difference to a church. A cathedral is a church that resources other churches. 
And I sense, um, yeah, I see strength and I see the, 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 um, the substance. If you can see it in your mind's eye of the old fashioned cathedrals, but they were actually a point of resource for the region. People would come for help. People would come to get food. People would come um, and they would give, they would give uh, of people. They would give of, of uh, you know, chaplains and things like that. And they would go out into the region. It was a resource centre. I know that you already know that you're ascending church. But I sense that as much people you send, um, even more are going to stay to help you build. And this is what I sense too, raw passion, that this place is known for raw passion. It's, it's not slick. It's not, it's not going to be professional. It's, it's just people who have got a hold of God and they're just passionate about the things of God and passionate to see God do great things. This is what I feel that it will be known for, a devoted, a single devotion. That single devotion um, in terms of this is what this place is going to be known for the people. Passion, raw passion and single devotion. To build a cathedral. I sense a new enthusiasm and intensity of prayer. And Pastor Will, I sense fresh vision. And this is what I saw in my spirit, is that it was almost like when you drive through this city, you have seen things over and over again. It's almost like things that are so familiar to you that you don't even register them. Over the last four years, you've been driving past certain things and you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yep, 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 yep. That's just where I live. I sense that there are moments where you're going to be driving through the city and it's almost like the very things that you've seen hundreds of times, thousands of times, will suddenly leap in, in your eyes. It's going to be like, you're going to see it like almost like I did not see that. I didn't, where did that come from? Because God's going to give you fresh vision for it. I also sense that. So I sense that for places in the city. I don't know what that means. It could be a metaphor of things that you've seen many times before that you've that, that they're unremarkable, but suddenly they're going to um, leap out at you. But I also that felt that that could mean for people, that God's going to show you people and they're going to leap in your spirit and you're going to go, that's a builder. That's somebody that's here to build. That's, that's somebody who's going to help me strategically build. And then you're going to take them under your wing and you're going to develop them. And you know that they'll be a gift from God to you. It's a new day. There's just a little thing. So you're going to need to be brave to leave some stuff behind. But when you come into single focus and you know that, you know, this whole deal, this whole wilderness experience has, to pre- has been to prepare you for the next thing, then you realise that you really can't stay here. If you stay here, you'll die. We're actually moving to the promised land. There's just this little thing called the Jordan River, which happens to be in flood. It's just a little detail. But I know what that is. Because it's not going to, the devil's not going to just lie down and let you take the promised land. The first thing he'll try to do is he'll try to intimidate you. 
And I reckon a river in flood is pretty intimidating. This is, this represents the voice in your head that says you are not ready. This is the voice in your head that says you don't have all the equipment. You know, once you get certain things in place, then maybe think about it. But it's the voice in your head that that actually tells you, you're not up for this. You don't have what it takes. You probably need to reconsider and probably go back to where you came from, set camp up again, because you know this. This is comfortable. This is what you know. You're good at this. People look at you as a, because you're an expert. You're an expert in this. Why would you want to go somewhere where you've got no idea what you're doing? You don't want to do that. You'll fall on your face. You'll look stupid. You'll look like a fool, but everybody will be laughing stock. No, 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 no. Better just stay where you are. Stay with what you know. Stay with what's good. Anybody heard that voice? Every single day. This is what the Word of God says. He said, tell the priests to take the presence of God and stand in the river. This is your praise. The Bible says that you are a chosen people, a holy, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And this is where you take your praise into your intimidation. You see, you don't need to work out how the river's going to be dealt with. You don't have to worry about that. God deals with that. All you have to do is take control. All you have to do is take control of the intimidation. And the only way, and I'm telling you, it's the only way to do that, is to lift your praise louder than the voice of intimidation. The one that says, Jesus, you are greater. Jesus, you are worthy. Jesus, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you everything that we are. We're going to follow you, Lord Jesus. pretty loud. So you're going to have to be louder. So I'm telling you, there is a new sound of praise that's coming in the church because it's a sound of a battle cry. It's a weapon in our hand. Jesus. Jesus. The name that is above every name. The name that at His name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And every river will dry up in the name of Jesus. You're born for this. It's got nothing to do with your personality. It's got nothing to do with your qualifications. It's got nothing to do with your age. It's got nothing to do with your experience. You were born for this. You're a son and a daughter of the Most High God. But I want to encourage you that this is a time to look, to listen, to leave, and to follow. And when you get into the water of your intimidation, to lift up a shout of praise and say, God, I don't understand. 
I will praise you. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of this uncertainty. You are worthy of, of my, my, what I feel is my feeble attempts. I, don't, I feel like I'm learning to walk again. I, I feel like I'm learning. I'm a novice all over again. But you are worthy of this. Do you understand? We're going to praise in just a few moments. But I want to give you a little bit more incentive. On the other side of the river, there's a city. And it's called Jericho. And the Bible says that the walls were so thick that two chariots could race along the walls, that people lived in the walls. And the Bible says that it was shut up tight. Pretty intimidating. Because not only do we have to deal with a flooded river, we're going to deal with a city like that. But the Bible says that there is a woman in the wall. And she's looking. And she's looking across the river. And she can see a people. She's heard about these people. The reputation's gone before them. But now she can see them on the other side of the river. And there is something in her heart that says, my destiny is attached to these people. That is the prostitute Rahab. And we find her in the lineage of Jesus. If they never stepped into their intimidation, if they never left the wilderness behind, then Rahab never would have come into the lineage of Jesus. Can I just say, isn't it worth it for somebody who is over the other side of your intimidation? Aren't they worth it? That could be your family on the other side of your intimidation. That could be your work friends, your work colleagues on the other side. That could be your your student friends on the other side of your intimidation. That could be a nation on the other side of your intimidation. Are you ready to praise? All right, why don't you stand to your feet? Band, come on up. Let's do a praise song. But this is the business. This is a business moment. This is the moment of transaction. I've done my best to declare a new day. But now the question is, where are you? We need you here. Front and centre, we need you looking and listening. Whatever you need to leave behind, can I encourage you? It is not worth keeping. It is beneath you to keep it. It is not worthy of you. You know, um, I'm going to, when I left Australia, I got married after I, I graduated Bible college. And two months later, I moved to England to um, pursue the purposes of God for, for our lives as a married couple. I left my family. I left uh, my friends. I left my country. I left everything that I had known. And I did it willingly, I have to tell you, because I was so excited. I was so excited. But where my wedding would have been 
a cause of celebration, there was tinged with sadness because it was a farewell. And at my reception, people started to say goodbye. One after the other, they would pick up the mic and they would say all the nicest things. But they were saying goodbye. I was saying goodbye to my brother who was 18 years old at the time. My mother and all the people that I have that have loved me and that I have loved. But God was calling. A month before we left, my father-in-law passed away and left my mother-in-law a widow. The pull for my husband to say, Lord, how, how can I leave now? Didn't you say that we're supposed to look after the widows? How can I leave my mother? Do you understand? That this isn't easy sometimes to leave. The thing is that my mother-in-law is a woman of God. (laughs) And she turned around to us and she said, you need to go. I'll be all right. God's got me. But you need to go. I don't know and I don't I don't minimize the sacrifice but can I just encourage you that if God is moving forward really it's that simple just move with him whatever it is because you don't know what's on the other side of the river you don't know the what he has for you you don't know the land but can I just say that but that's why you're in the kingdom you're in the kingdom for the promised land. Be encouraged. Nothing that you give up for God. That He won't repay a hundred times over. What do you need to leave? Would you just close your eyes for a moment? Between you and God, I want you to position yourself. asking what is it that now perhaps was good but now is your enemy because you know it takes it away takes you away from him from this day on call it your enemy and fight it tooth and nail Thank you for listening to this message recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.